We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, everybody? Welcome into the OBR Film Breakdown. I'm your host, Jake Burns. We are going to be sharing, uh, for the large part here, our uh, OBR Twitch recap, where I think a lot of things in the immediate aftermath of the game were discussed, and kind of what I want to echo, which is my focal point, which is that you know a lot of negativity around this game, a game they had a real chance to win, understood, but you know, they're, they're fighting an uphill battle, the Browns are, to overcome a significant amount of issues. You know, you add in today Amari Cooper leaving, the the margin for error with four starting quarterbacks, it's a lot, right? And I understand that they could have won that football game today. You're frustrated about that the same way you were after the same situation where it's 14-12 in the Denver game. You kind of feel like you've taken momentum. It's 2019, five minutes left feel like you've got momentum, a chance to go win the football game. I understand it. They could have won it. There's a lot of simulations of that scenario where they do win those football games, but it didn't happen. There are also some simulations of earlier games this year where those outcomes went in the Browns' favor, right? Especially some P.J. Walker games. So they're 7-5. and five. They have two home games coming up. They're 5-1 and one in home games this year. They play different at home, you know, good or bad, right? It's going to end up catching up with them at some point. But there's no doubt that they play better at home. They have to win three of the next five. I'm going to talk all about it in the show here. And I'm going to break down the minute details of every part of the game on your next podcast. I've got some information that's very interesting. I've already started to collect here as I record this late on Sunday night. Like, the game plan was interesting. There were a bunch of faults within that game plan. I'll share notes in the show. They have to get better. No doubt about it. They've got to clean up what's going on. But my general point here is that there were actually some significant positives to take away from this game, and everything the Browns still want is right in front of them at 7-5 and five with some teams on the, on, the, on the schedule that can be beat for sure and some teams that are going to be interested more in losing for draft pick stock as they get close to the end of the season. There's no doubt about that. And again, just a general home slate of games that I think will work out in their favor. A tough one coming up with the Jags, but the race to 10 wins is on. They can get there. Doesn't change the outcome in this one, and we're going to get into the details of it. But let's like keep focus on the season is not over. I'm seeing way too much of that with this many games remaining. Five games. Go win three of them. 
You should have a real chance to win four of them. Hell, you got a chance to win all five. But asking for five straight opportunities to go in your favor is not something you want to get greedy about, right, per se. So that's the point. Brad Ward, Andrew Spader are going to join me. We're going to talk through everything as we saw it. You know, again, this is immediately after the game. Haven't decompressed and moved on. I'm recording this significantly later. There is some decompression. There is some thought process stuff that goes on. And I will have some good stuff to share with you guys on, on the on the show tomorrow about just some, some choices, right? Just some choices. So, uh, yeah, we'll get into all that, the offense and defense, because I think that's where a large part of the conversation has to go. we got to talk about the defense's faults, where the offense can make up some points, whether they did a good job balancing things, how Joe Flacco played, the decisions surrounding uh, Joe Flacco's in-game management, right? There's a lot of stuff to talk about. We'll get there. For now, post-game show, a lot of good stuff in here between Brad, Andrew, and myself. We're going to get over to that, and then I will check in with you guys on tomorrow's podcast where you'll get all the nitty-gritty details about this game, and we're going to keep an eye on the future because I don't, I don't usually, you know me, I don't spin positive, and I don't even think I'm spinning here, but the Browns are coming home for two straight off of a long trip, and I think there's probably some excitement to get home and get things figured out in the last five games. We'll see if they can get healthier, which is the biggest battle they're fighting right now. We'll hope they will. All right, guys, let's get over to that Twitch show right now. Quick word from our sponsors, and then we get uh, a little bit of an uninterrupted show for about 40 minutes that I think covers all the bases from this game on the first watch TV view. We'll get the all 22 in the morning, start throwing some stuff up on Twitter and in the forums at the OBR. Check that out. We'll check in with you again tomorrow. Like I said, we'll be right back. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Buying tickets to your favorite events should not be stressful, guys. Game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and concerts near you. You can find them last minute with killer deals, and their best price guarantee helps you stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for all the fun you've had. So why would you go game time? They have flash deals, last-minute tickets. They're easy to find. Buy tickets for every kind of event in your area, specifically those Cleveland Browns. You get great images of the seats view which is awesome when you're trying to figure out how the stadium is going to look when you're trying to find that right ticket for the right price. And they have that low price guarantee and event cancellation protection, job loss protection, all of the stuff to help you protect your money, right? It's the fastest growing ticket out for a reason in the country. You get images of your seats. Like I said, before you buy them, you buy tickets in a matter of seconds and they're sent directly to your phone. All right. So you never have to go digging through your email to find something last second. It is always there. You can put them in your wallet app and make sure to have them up and ready to go. It's important to know you can download that game time app, which makes it extremely easy, very intuitive. 
Very fast way to buy those tickets. Create an account and use the promo code OBR for $20 off your first purchase. Again, terms apply. Again, create that account. Redeem the code OBR for $20 off. You can do so at GameTime.co. It is not .com. It is GameTime.co. But I would suggest downloading that app, taking advantage of the $20 off coupon using the promo code OBR. Download GameTime today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Welcome in, everybody, to post-game coverage of the Browns. Uh, frustrating, frustrating, frustrating loss to the Los Angeles Rams. Final score, 36-19. The Browns finish a two-game West Coast road trip with an 0-2 record. Uh, and both losses, I think, felt pretty similar, in my opinion. I, last week was maybe worse because of the injury to Dorian Thompson-Robinson, but this week, obviously, just uh, not what you want to see from a, a defense that has kind of been touted as the best in the league all season. Uh, not good enough against a... Los Angeles Rams team that, to my eye, wasn't doing anything too complicated, but just seemed to be one step ahead of the Browns all day. Uh, I'm joined, obviously, by Brad Ward and Jake Burns. Uh, we'll break this one down quickly for you. Um, you know, I, I guess I'll, I'll just go around quick to to get your reaction, gentlemen, to the to the uh, the loss tonight. Uh, Jake, I'll go to you first. It it felt like a game that the Browns were in and competitive in, and then. That Joe Flacco pick, maybe the mixed extra, missed extra point. I don't know. What, what what point for you did it feel like it really got away from him? I mean, I thought they played really hard, man. Like, I, 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 I everyone's upset. I, I get it. Like, I totally do. But there's, like, to me, a gigantic lack of perspective about the uphill battle that they're fighting right now. And I think that, no, I, I, I get, I'm, I don't know. I'm trying to, like, provide some perspective, but maybe you don't want to hear that because we all want to be – emotional and upset that they lost but there are things that like you can't overcome because of your personnel like things that that'll drive you a little bit crazy personnel wise that you won't be able to figure out but like some of the little things like how to account for fly sweeps and stuff like that dropped throws I think are really frustrating but these are going to be coin flip games like with, with where the Browns sit with the injury bug and the situation they're in collectively, to me, there are a lot of coin flip games. And again, like I think Joe made a really errant throw, a really bad decision in that moment at the end of the game. But I think you probably would look at the defense and say that they didn't play well enough to win either. But they're in it until the five-minute mark of the fourth quarter. And I thought they played hard. They just – some things didn't go their way. Some Some bounces they needed to have go their way. Plays they needed to make didn't get made. I'm not like – I think there's a collective the season's over vibe. Like they're seven and five and have two home games. I, I like they can win both. They're a better home team. We we talked about it this week, Andrew. They're a far better home team right now. And they they have two home games coming up that they can win. You know, like I don't know if everyone's so afraid of the Jaguars, but like you can win those two games and be right where you want to be. So I, I just I'm frustrated that they lost too, but there, you have to keep a little bit of perspective about like the Broncos and Rams are playing good football and they're getting less beat up. The injuries are not hurting them quite as much. And the Browns had 17 names on the injured list this week. They're fighting a significant uphill battle that like you could see without Denzel Ward, they were getting picked on in that sp specific cornerback spot all game. So I, I get it. They lost. It's frustrating. They could have won that game, but like figure out what happened and go home and win two ball games that you can win, win three of the next five that you have three very winnable games there. And like, I don't know, yeah. man, I just no, I, collective I, vibe. And I'm not talking about you, Andrew, or no, I, I, I know. I'm but, just saying like socially, like there's this, vibe yeah, I hear you. this is all over. It's not yeah. all over, man. Like, well, I, here, here's the thing I think Jake is just that. I think that 
what what has really hurt people's confidence. And I know that the defense, obviously, it's it's pretty clear now, plays a lot different at home than they do on the road. But it, it, I think the the feeling has been, the fear has been that there are some things schematically showing up that where the defense is getting um, exposed a little bit in ways that I think I expect. I don't know how you feel to continue, right? So. I hear you. They're coming back to play the Jaguars and the Bears. Obviously, the Bears are a beatable opponent, but I, it feels like a lot of what the defense is putting on film is just going to continue to be an issue game after game because it's basic stuff. Uh, I, I, I don't know. Maybe. Uh, I feel like they are missing Denzel Ward just sorely. Like I feel like they put a lot on him to be able to lock down one side of the field or be able to play man coverage the way they want to. And when he can't do that, I mean, look at what they were just exposed in the back end uh, time after time today by good wide receivers. Certainly they need to change the way they're playing the jet sweep game. It's that's <laughs> laughable uh, at how they have gotten gashed in that. Uh, I guess I would ask you, Andrew, what don't you think is correctable? uh moving forward about this defense no it's not that it's not it's not that it's not correctable it's that they haven't shown the ability to correct it so far what what is that the the defend defending the bootleg defending the jet sweep stuff defending some of the uh uh, it it didn't show up this game because it's matt stafford but some of the quarterback run stuff has been there all year so i i just think that there's enough to me there's there's been enough through these games that teams that are well schemed with good quarterbacks have shown that, you know, if you're looking for a recipe to beat the Browns, it exists now, uh, you know, to beat their defense. And I think I would expect to see teams start to copy that. Um, I would just comment on two parts of the games real quick uh, beyond that. And you're, you're probably right, Andrew. I, I, I don't know. Yeah. Teams are certainly going to try to take advantage of that. I would say in the first half when they went six straight three and outs, uh, on offense when the defense was getting stops was pretty critical right now Flacco starts to move the ball and they start to look better they get into back in the game um and you had they had they had the game like so you basically took whatever you wanted on that Flacco drive to tie the game that didn't end up tying the game because Hopkins missed the extra point but they took whatever they wanted all the way down the field and that defense was gassed, and the defense went on the field, got a three and out, and they got the ball right back, and you have a chance to go win the game right there, and you throw an interception that was absolutely absurd. So, I mean, yeah, they needed to go down the field and win the game right there, uh, and instead that was, I mean, that that was a, uh, I don't know what the hell he was doing there. After you just <laughs> dismantled their defense all the way down the field, why you would make that throw is beyond me. Uh, it's it's frustrating, but I'm kind of in the camp that I think that it's all still in front of them as well. Uh, they're seven and five. They, had, they this team has to overcome a lot. It felt like they had zero margin for error today. I guess uh, very small, very small margin for error today. And uh, you know when they made mistakes, uh, it cost them. Uh, we talked yesterday, Jake, and said, you know, it's going to be a close game late and somebody's going to need to make a play and the Browns didn't make any plays late. Uh, and that was kind of the difference in the game for me. Yeah, notes I have on this. Cover two killed them. They were awful in cover two. The first Puka Nakua touchdown is an inverted version of cover two where you have a 
very vulnerable middle of the field that the Mike linebacker has to run with, whether number one, sorry, number two or number three are vertical. If you're counting inside from a three-by-one set, outside's number one, number two, and number three. You work outside in on counting numbers. Really awful. I didn't like the design. I think teams have – there have been people I've talked to this year where that's a that's a scheme that you can get away with here and there, but if you find teams that can scheme that up, which the Rams did, a little switch release vertical from Puka Nakua, you're asking Sione Takitaki to run with him. It's it's terrible. It's not great. Late in the third quarter, they ran cover two again, where Stafford clearly identifies it. This is something Stafford was doing all game. He's doing what's called a dead count, right? This is a very popular NFL and college concept, for that matter, where teams who – I'm sorry, I had a hair in my mouth. Teams who have um, – you know, a, a, enough time at the line of scrimmage, either a hurry up team or whatever, whatever you can get to the line and have enough time. Your quarterback will say it's dead until you hear something, either it's a color. It's a, it's a call. You'll hear very popular in the NFL to hear turbo is the call. That means that next sound you're snapping the football. He was continuously dead counting the Browns all day and giving them um, a, a way to what you call unfold the defense where the defense will give you hints about what they're going to do because they think you're going to snap the football and they'll like sneak up or cheat to either their pass coverage spot or they'll sneak to where they need to go. The last two weeks on the road, as you would expect, quiet environments for the offense, teams have killed them with it. So it's pretty clear the Browns aren't being deceptive enough in what coverage they're in. I was encouraged by some of that against Pittsburgh. It seems to have reverted something to study in the film study this week, but it's there's not a doubt in my mind that these teams' offenses right now, especially heady quarterbacks who have seen a lot of ball like Russell Wilson and obviously Matt Stafford, had a great feel for the coverage. Late in the game, I think, like I said, that Rams touchdown to make it 20-13, to 13, that big drive they had, he identified cover two. They ran a smash concept to it. He gave a shoulder fake to the flat, pulled Mike Ford up, threw it over his head. And again, they're playing Mike Ford and Khalif Velocity. They're down two DBs that are very important. Either Greg Newsom's playing outside and you would like somebody else to play inside, we all saw what happened last week with Greg Newsom not stepping up, playing outside. So that was rough. The Browns' plan, I clearly in this one, is we're going to put him inside and try to replace him and play Khalifa Lossi, and we're going to play Mike Ford, both of which terrible games today, guys, just terrible games. And that's going to happen every now and again with backups, but they were manipulated by Stafford all game. That was a problem. So there's two, there's two massive breakdowns in cover two. The jet sweep stuff, I don't know how they're defending it. No idea. If there's like most teams will have somebody step up, they'll rotate, go one safety, rotate back, the next safety's up. Most teams will also say if you have an edge opposite the, the initial motion, he's responsible for stepping up and eliminating that. The Browns had no plan. They look like they've never defended it. We watch teams. Countless teams this year run that for effective yards. The 49ers, ironically, in the Shanahan McVay tree guys, ran that really well against the Browns in week three, and they got a really fortunate holding call. And again, it was, it was probably holding, but the guy didn't need to hold him. They didn't need to hold him. That play was going to break loose no matter what. So they got an unfortunate or a very fortunate call to eliminate that, but that killed them all game. So they're cognizant at the second and third level that any flat motion, if it's handed off, we're done. We can't defend it. They have no plan there. So that, to me, is the frustrating stuff, right? Getting picked on Mike Ford, Khalifa Lossi, you're beat up. You don't have Cam Mitchell. You don't have Denzel Ward. I can understand that. But the simple schematic stuff where you're unfolding your entire defense to the quarterback pre-snap too early or you're not defending the jet sweep stuff. It's actually fly. Jet sweep is in shotgun. Fly sweep is under center. Uh, That's just the way I've grown to know it. So you're not defending fly sweep stuff well enough. 
that's the frustrating stuff. I thought Flacco was good enough to win today. Good enough to win. I think you probably would all agree with me. Made a ton of great throws, pocket poise. He can do it. The throw at the end of the game is inexcusable. I don't know. Joe's probably talking to the media right now. I don't know if he just didn't identify like John Johnson standing back there and thought he could just – we've all kind of saw it throughout this game. He likes to just sort of arm punt the football downfield sometimes just as a means of like, A, I'm not taking a sack, or B, if it gets intercepted, then – you know, we could. It's just the same as a 40, 50 yard punt, maybe in a third. But that's first down, first play out of this drive where you're at 20 to 19. It's an inexcusable throw from Joe. He, he, I will look up the quotes, but you can't do it, man. Throw it into the, the sideline, live to fight another down. Like he can't do it. That's inexcusable, which is a real shame because he played a fantastic football game for a guy not playing football as recently as two weeks ago. So I thought the offense. I didn't think they played bad. I thought they played well enough to win. I think if they could redo that drive, they probably get – I thought they'd score 27 points this week. There's a chance they could have if they don't have that horrible throw at the end. Um, didn't run it well enough collectively for most of the game. Second half, they started to figure some things out, but the first half, ineptitude in the run game really hurt them. The guard center guard stuff is concerning for me. Like the postage um, – and I'm on a tangent. Shut me up whenever you want, Andrew. Like the postage false start. I went back and yep. watched it like four times. They marked him short of the 35. If you go watch it, you can see Postage shuffle the ball forward two times, and the ball is sitting over the 35-yard line. He's clearly moving the football forward. Right. Like, I don't know what the what the issue is here that a guy is a veteran center two weeks in a row. Last week on a third and one goes to third and six. They end up actually on that sequence of events, third and six, get five yards, fourth and one again, and they fumble the snap. And then yep. this one, it puts them in a third and five instead of a third and one, and then they can't convert on the next two throws. So, like – how on earth you're having that issue? Uh, Cedric Tillman had that huge. Now they got a break and caught a football on the play after, but Cedric Tillman's not being on the line of scrimmage. So um, there's some things that you know they should be better at. Obviously, there's some inexcusable stuff there. But again, their margin for error, like Brad mentioned, it's tight. It's tight. You can't make those mistakes when you don't have the hero ball players. You lose Amari Cooper early, right? Like th- they don't have those answers to make up for the mistakes as well as you would like. So you can't make them. And Posich in that snap is, that's awful. And Joe, and again, I, I'm not trying to hold Joe to some standard, but any quarterback that makes that decision, whether you're PJ Walker or Joe Flacco or Deshaun Watson, you need to be held accountable for that. That was yeah. a bad choice, a bad throw. And it was so farly, uh, so far poorly underthrown that Elijah Moore couldn't even get back to it in time to disrupt it or intercept, tackle John Johnson, making a really bad throw at that point. So, yeah. Like just situationally, it's just, yeah, like, it's it's you left it. They should have won that game. It's thirty six nineteen, but it's twenty seven nineteen with like five minutes left. There's there's a way to win that game, and they they didn't get it done, and that's disappointing, man. It's really disappointing. So it's twenty nineteen with five minutes left. So yeah, you know, there it is. That's my my notes that I wrote down throughout the game. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think that's all really good stuff, Jake. I, I think that you know that paints a real picture of of some of the stuff is very situational right um to, to brad's point they are missing their best cornerback and it shows right and their miles garrett clearly was not at 100 percent today i think that was pretty obvious amari cooper leaves in the first half with a concussion God. um you know and and, and probably yeah probably will miss the jaguars game the way that those tend to go uh you know so yeah i mean the injury issues continue to mount they have not gotten a break on those game after game week after week uh and then you know, yeah, that that then combined with some of the schematic stuff on defense, some of the slop sloppy stuff on offense. Um, I think that's where the frustration comes from. I think that you know, to go back to where we started, I think I'm I'm frustrated because 
you know, I don't think that this stuff wasn't happening when they were winning, when they beat the Ravens. That was an incredibly sloppy game by the Browns that they got away with because they managed to win um, to a lesser extent against the Steelers. But but similarly, uh, you know, you can go back further into the season. I, I think that there were some 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 sloppy some sloppy play against the 49ers. They get bailed out by a missed field goal. My point is that when you're winning, you it feels it feels un- ungrateful or ungracious to complain about mistakes. I think the feeling that people have is the winning has stopped. So some of the stuff that we have not been maybe is pushing as hard as we could have at times, like penalties, uh, you know, and some of the schematic stuff defensively now takes on a little bit more importance because the wins aren't coming. And and I think it the last two games you know, the, the feel that I've had is that the Browns, you know, belong on the field with those teams are playing as hard as those teams, but have made sort of crucial mistakes in crucial moments that have cost them those victories. So it feels like games that they're letting get away rather than games that they're being soundly beat. And I think that's where the frustration comes from. Um, Brad going forward from, from this game, the last two games, do you feel, are you more concerned about the, offense or the defense i feel like the offense is what it is this year kind of right like they're Mm -hmm. gonna score around 20 points they're gonna give you you know and i'm interested to hear your guys thoughts on moving forward at the quarterback position just because although flacco did make that terrible throw i thought he did provide what looked or maybe it's because they couldn't run the ball at all but in the and he had to throw it forty sometimes, which I'm sure wasn't what they wanted to come out and do offensively. But he certainly looked more competent oper- operating the offense than DTR did. Does he give you the best chance to win going forward? I don't know. I think they have more problems on the defense right now. I also think like Puka Nakua make, making plays and Cooper Cup, you know, not so much this game, but. Uh, and their running back is is a good running young running back, Kyron Williams, with some special attributes. All of the Browns guys that are like that aren't playing right now. Like they don't have anybody like that that can go make a special play for you on offense because they're all hurt. So it's hard to for really be hard on the offense. I guess mm. sure on defense. I understand some of the schematic stuff. I just. Just man, they just keep taking hit after hit, and I guess they they. Sh- I felt like situationally, that's why you have to be more careful in that situation. But uh, I thought Flacco operated the offense better than we've seen anybody this year. At times, do you want to go forward with him, or do you have to go back to DGTR because he's a rookie and you think he uh, he might have a better ceiling, Jake? I think it's 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 quite obvious to me. Kevin's very comfortable with a quarterback like Joe Flacco. The, the operation, how they work from under center, the concepts they call in play action, how he operates from the gun. He doesn't take sacks. He throws the football away. He doesn't really take many negatives. I think everything he wants in calling a, a synonymous game plan is tied to Joe Flacco. I don't think, put it this way, I don't think Kevin Stefanski is quite comfortable yet calling games for mobile quarterbacks. Like, I just don't. Guys who can use their legs to the advantage – I don't think he's quite comfortable there. So, and again, I think Joe played well. I really do. He made one horrible decision at the worst time, 
but yeah. he played a very good football game and delivered throws that we haven't really seen very many of this many of this year, not in the form of which he was doing consistently. So I don't have a problem with whatever decision they make. If they want to get DTR more opportunities because he's the future of the franchise angle here, as far as like a long-term piece behind Watson, or potentially if he's really good plays out in front of Watson someday, you never know. So uh, the world works in mysterious ways that could happen. They could want to see more of that. I also don't blame them for saying we're more comfortable with Joe because of this is how our offense is going to have to live right in this type of structure play action to making decisions off play action and then being able to live in the shotgun with quick throws and you know pretty accurate and decisive as well. But like I said, he's 38. So I understand the angle of like, you know, we don't want that, but you are seven and five. You do have games coming up that you can win and you are in the middle of a playoff hunt. So, you know, there's that element lingering to you, not five and seven, in, in sort of on the fringe of the hunt graphic, right? Like they've been before you're seven and five. You're still the sixth seed. You have a real chance to win enough games to make the playoffs. So if you feel like Joe Flacco is the answer for you, because you're going to get more consistent play and you feel like you can get in a better rhythmic play calling structure. That's fine by me too. I don't have any issue with the direction they go here because I think DTR made enough positive strides in that Broncos game that I would feel comfortable with them reverting to him. But again, for me, Kevin is more comfortable calling a game for a guy like Joe Flacco right now. Maybe that alters in the offseason if they alter the coaching staff and get some different thought process in here um, I, to, uh, to the point of, like, again, using a quarterback who has genuine mobility to their advantage, right? Like that That's just something he's not really quite comfortable at. So uh, that's where I'm at with it. Don't have a problem either direction uh, as long as it's not P.J. Walker. And I don't think I th- they're going to go back in that direction. <laughs> I think there's some concern that – and. It was uh, it was mentioned uh, this week, or said somebody. I don't know if it was on my show or when we were talking, Jake. But I I think there's a a maybe like a short period of games where you can get this level of play from Flacco, like, and then it might fall off. So maybe you hope to get this closer towards the end of the season if you had to turn to him. Um, but I think once he's in there, you kind of have to ride with him now at least for a couple weeks until it it. it putters out right like because for me this was the best looking offense we've seen when there's no running game pass offense which is called the best looking pass offense we've seen for most of the year maybe the second half against the ravens excluded right uh or whatever or the tennessee game where are you at andrew do you feel like it needs to be dtr i'm just curious what you guys are thinking yeah i think it's interesting because i don't I've been thinking about this while you you all have been discussing it. I don't know that the Browns have had a quarterback controversy. This isn't really a full-blown controversy, but I don't think Stefanski's ever had to choose between two relatively viable options uh, as, as since he's been with the Browns anyway, right? It was always yeah. Mayfield's show, and then it was Jacoby Brissett that was clear-cut, and then Watson came back. So it's been, you know, there were some times, I think, where some people thought that perhaps you would want to, you know, see something other than Baker when he was injured, but that was more about his injury than who you thought he was as a quarterback. So I can see the argument both ways. I agree strongly with what Jake said, that the offense, this looks like the Kevin Stefanski offense that we have kind of come to know over four years in Cleveland. And I think that's, honestly, I think that's worth kind of thinking about a little bit as the season ends and we go into the off season because uh, that's, disappointing frankly right like um it's not what you can go forward with but yeah it well might be, and it, and, it and might you're be not, what you yeah. need right now but you're also yeah you're not i think the the question is whether or not he's a it, it, what how what does he need to do to get comfortable with players with more athletic ability because sure. i think that's 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 staring him in the face yeah as far as next week though i i just think 
the Jaguars defense has been a top 10 unit all year. So I, I would tend to lean towards Joe Flacco getting that start. And if, you know, like you said, if the if the flame starts to flicker and and, and they need another uh, jolt or a little bit more playmaking, then I think maybe you turn back to DTR. I my guess, my hunch, just based on the way the season is going, is that both players play again before the season ends. Sure, yeah. So it's a week to week operation here in Cleveland. Yeah, it sure is. It sure is. Yeah. Um. And and you know that brings me to one other thing that I I really wanted to discuss. I, I know that the Rams have Aaron Donald. Uh, and he's still one of the best defensive players in the league. But their run game performance uh, over the past few weeks is is back to being really concerning, right? And I I don't know I don't know from watching the TV copy how much of it is scheme, how much of it is offensive line performance, how much of it is running back performance. I think it's it's kind of like when we talked about the defense last year. It's all of the above, right? The scheme seems bad. The running backs are incredibly frustrating to watch. And uh, the offensive line, even beyond the two backup tackles or replacement tackles, however you want to call them, uh, but you've got you've got Joel Batonio, Ethan Postich, who they re-signed this offseason, and Wyatt Teller, two top five paid guards and a center that you committed to for multiple years, and, and they're getting beat up on the interior week in, week out. And then, I just want to throw this in there because I took this, I, I thought this was, this 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 really pissed me off. They, the lack of effort on that last drive, I know that it, the game is over. I know that you don't want to maybe be out there getting your ass kicked by Aaron Donald, but they, the, across the offensive line, the lack of effort on the last series uh, in pass blocking was noticeable and it ended up in a safety. Like it was an embarrassing way to end that game. And I think they deserve some criticism for essentially, you know, kind of mailing it in there. So, I, I, I want answers because I there's too much, even with what's going on at tackle, there's too much talent on this offensive line for them not to be able to run the ball at all week after week after week. Jake, you want to talk about it? Yeah, I'd love to. Love it. It's a fantastic topic. It is a, it's something we have to hit on. I, they're paying them too much money. We've said it all year. They've not been good enough. We talked about yep. in the preseason that for what they're shelling out to these guys collectively on the offensive line, they need to dominate games. They need to be a big part of the reason they're winning because you have invested so much into them. Two extensions at guard, a new contract for a center. Those guys have to be your group. They have to be your guys. And the the collective of Joel, the collective of Wyatt Teller, and the collective of Ethan Postage has not been good enough. They've had good games sporadically, but they have not been good enough to offset what's going on at right tackle in a small sample size because Dewan has been pretty good in what they've dealt with at the left tackle position. So I have no argument. They're not playing well enough up front. I've said it, the, the penalties, you know, I, I, again, like pressures coming through and Joel is not immune to it. I hate having discussions about Joel Batonio not playing well because I just admire the guy, but he's Absolutely. not, he's not playing well enough this year for what you needed him to be. Now, I don't know, if the scope and the knee and like it never has solved itself. But I, I mean, I would say he's not playing like himself at the minimum. He's not playing like himself. So I just, it's been off. It's not been good enough. If you're looking at units that have failed this group this year, the collective offensive line has failed them, you know, and that's, that's, that's crummy because, you know, when you talk about bringing in backup quarterbacks and stuff, if you have the P like, what do you know? When you look at like, say a popular talking point is Nick Foles, Right. Yes. That Eagles offensive line was unbelievable. It was unbelievable. Like you, you cannot have the pairing of a bad offensive line or at least a group not playing well 
and then a backup quarterback rotation. It's a death sentence. It's a death sentence. And, and again, like perspective speaking here, it's 2019 with a chance to go win the game with five minutes left. It's not like they're getting their doors blown off in either of these games. The last two, although it, you know, looks like it at the end yeah, of the game, 29, of 12, yeah. 36, 19, it looks like it. That's not the case here. So we're trying to keep perspective. But again, like if you're a coach who's asked, did your guys play well enough in these portions of the game? No, I didn't. I did not think they played well enough in that portion of the game. So that's a big bummer. And it's, it's just, uh, I feel like we've had many of these discussions this year that have been built around the guard center guard, not being good enough. And, uh, Let's hope it rectifies itself in some fashion because they need those guys over the final five games if they're going to win three of these five to have a chance to make the playoffs. Uh, real quick on this topic, just statistically, Kareem Hunt, 12 for 48 with a long of seven. Listen, he's really good in short yardage. When they need a yard, he gets it, right? Like, yeah. they get it. He's been he's been fine, right? They can fall uh, for it. Yeah, exactly and he can fall for it absolutely uh jerome ford nine for 19 with a long of 10 that mm-hmm. means his other eight runs were for a yard about a piece right mm-hmm. uh that is where the the problem is because pierre strong comes in and i once again think he looks like he's the most explosive of all three and finds a way to at least get in creases and get up field quickly i feel like he moves through traffic better than any of, of these three but once again you know uh he was in on, on the uh, debacle last week on the end around and everything else and he and he can't it was proven once again today he blatantly cannot pass protect so uh he's a liability there but i do feel like if you're gonna run the ball you know <laughs> i'd like to see him implemented a little bit more i think he's better at times yeah. well and if i vision yeah. wise than mm-hmm. than Ford is. Go ahead. I think there's a little bit of a personnel problem here too, because Jerome Ford was counted on to be your backup running back and he has not been up to that task. I think it's safe to say at this point. Uh you bring in Kareem Hunt to kind of address Nick Chubb's injury. I don't think Kareem Hunt, I think, you know, we talked about this this week, Jake. You know, he's been you know, where we thought he would be based on how he played last year. The leadership part is is great, but you know he's he's he cannot he has no explosion left in him, and then Pierre Strong you trade for him but he can't pass protect and you know he uh, struggles to hold on to the ball at times so you don't have a reliable running back and part you know so part of this I think is also a personnel issue right where you you are ending up playing players that you know uh, and I'll talk about left tackle too they're playing Garan Christian who they signed off the street because James Hudson can't get it done right so. I think there's a personnel component here too, where uh, some you know injuries expose your depth sometimes, and it's you could talk the same thing about the defense. You know, Mike Ford is here to play special teams more than he is here to play cornerback, but he can't play cornerback, right? Um, they sign you know Khalif Falasi at the end of the the preseason, and he's kind of he's you know he's been getting ready all season. Well, you know that doesn't seem to have worked out that well either. Greg Newsom, who I've been harping on, is a first-round pick who hasn't really developed in three years. So, it, it, it you start to when when the losses happen, you start to look at some of the players that could step up and didn't step up. And I think right. I'm looking at you know the same guys that I was looking at last week in a lot of positions, just not living up to their draft pick status or what they've been paid or the fact that the front office thought that they were the right person to come in and fix the, the situation. I do also want to shout out Brian021 in the chat for making this point, which is 
how much is it Nick Chubb covering up for a you know average offensive line play? And I think that's a very fair question because we know how good Nick Chubb is at not only uh, seeing holes that almost aren't there, but then also breaking a tackle to extend a play. You know, I, I I don't think it's so much so that you could say that Joel Batonio's average. I think it's you know he's been good, and and now the, the worry obviously is his age. But I think it's worth when you talk about the run game holistically, and the, the one player leaves, and you know you've still got your starting interior three, and a and a different committee of backs, and it's not happening game after game. It does start to feel like how much of it was being propped up by Nick Chubb. So, all right. Um, We've got the Jacksonville Jaguars next Sunday at one back home. I Win. think it'll be a, a relief to the fans. I think it'll be a relief to the certainly at least the defense, who definitely seems to play a lot better at home. Um, I, I think the team as a whole will be very excited to get home late tonight after being staying out on the West Coast all week. Uh, I, 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 Jake, you really touched on this earlier, and it is that time of year now where you're starting to look at the remainder of the season as a whole, right? There, it's not next game so much as the next few weeks. Um, I, I just, you know, you kind of indicated earlier that you're not feeling as worried as some people are about where they're headed and the fact that they've got winnable games and they've got seven already in the bank. So, Brad, I'll ask you, how do you feel? Do you think they can snap this two-game losing streak against a Jacksonville team that has been playing some pretty good football and plays Cincinnati tomorrow night? Yeah, I, I think that uh, I think that they win – next week at home okay I, there you go I, I, you, you can put it on you can put it on the board i'm wow. telling you hey. go ahead ladies and gentlemen put it on the board no i'm serious uh you know stefanski doesn't lose two in a row very often i don't think mm-hmm. if we go back and look at the records he's them coming home is going to be a nice uh bounce back uh spot refresher at home in front of their own crowd hopefully maybe they get denzel back uh, and uh, maybe you get some things with Flacco in there, maybe uh, uh, some some new life in that offense, uh, and uh, we'll see what. But, yeah, I think they bounce back and win next week. I really think they do. I, this team has, despite all of their faults and errors, have, they've still been very resilient mm-hmm. all year long, um, and I think they will continue to be resilient because I think that's who they are. I think that's who they are. Yeah. Yeah. The biggest test of that resilience is coming up this week. It's coming. And so the Jaguars are a very good and a very physical team. And the Browns cannot afford, in my opinion, cannot afford a three game losing streak. Agreed. You think they win. I I just want to reiterate. I'm obviously, you know, you don't want to, I'm not trying to excuse losing. And I know you're not saying I said that either. I'm just kind of trying to make sure my point is clear here. I understand they lost two. It's it's not good to lose two. And they could even lose the game to the Jaguars. They could. But there's a very winnable path, even at seven and six, to get to sure. 10 wins. You can yeah. beat the Bears. You can beat the Jets. And you can beat the Bengals at the end of the season. So, like, I understand that, that the idea of, like, the season is falling on top of us as possible. And, like, it's just an, an unavoidable thing for Browns fans because we're scarred. Deep scar tissue. I say it all the time. But there's still a path to 10 wins and let it sort itself out. I think you can get there. Now, I would prefer that the Jags beat the Bengals so they're coming in a little fat and happy when they come to Cleveland and not sure. pressing a little more, right, about the division. I would prefer that route. But And, again, the Texans are beatable, too. I know you're going there, but, you know, we watched today. They they, they very much had a, a really rough time with the Broncos, who I view the Browns on the very much the same level as. It's a controlled environment in, in, in a dome. Like, I just um, – 
and they lost Tank Dell. I, I, I just, it sucks. It's a su- it sucks to lose these two games. We wanted to split them if possible, and you had a real chance to split it with two different starting quarterbacks, which is still wild to think of. But like, come home, play a good Jags team, put it all on the line. Whatever happens, happens. And then there are four extremely winnable games left to close the season to get to ten. And it's not even crazy to think about eleven wins. So the season is not. A- That's my messaging, and I just kind of want to reiterate it. Bad loss today, lost the game in some key moments, and the defense is a little bit broken. We are concerned about where the defense is heading. I have genuine problems with it. Miles Garrett said today didn't affect him that much the shoulder. They just had a great game plan for us up front. Well, how are you going to solve that? Because that cannot be the consistent issue. The defense has real problems uh, against their tendencies to solve. But they can come together and they can get right and they can win enough ball games to go to the playoffs so that's again that's my point that's what i want to remind everybody about sky is not falling season's not over they're seven and five it's all right there in front of them uh to to go seize the day and win and we could be sitting here like we were sitting here two weeks ago fat and happy seven and three couldn't couldn't talk us off the mountaintop after beating pittsburgh and then now from two weeks from now the browns could be nine and five and we're all sitting here like all right where are we going first round we buying wild card tickets where are we meeting at where's the bar that's the nfl it's a week-to-week thing we talk about it all the time you just got to take it as they come. You can count the Browns out of that Jacksonville game all you want, but it's a home game where they clearly play better, and it could be nasty weather for a Florida team coming north. All the elements could be in the Browns' favor there too. So let's just see how it goes. I'm curious. Listen to this uh, for, from my perspective. I'm curious how they bounce back. How do they? How do they? This is your your being tested in a way you haven't really been tested all year. Two rough losses, haven't been home in two weeks, haven't laid in your own bed in two weeks, haven't seen your family. How do you bounce back? And let's define the season off of the bounce back in the coming weeks. This is all in front of you. Nothing is lost. These losses did not define their season. So let's push forward. Let's go win some games we can win, and let's get to double-digit wins and go see what happens in the playoffs. That's my messaging if I'm Kevin. It sucks. You watch the film. You correct what you're doing wrong. Defense needs to have a big hoorah, get together, and figure some things out here because there's mm-hmm. some responsibility and identification stuff happening that's inexcusable, but you're still good enough to go win enough games to win, to make the playoffs. It's there, so go do it. Just go do it. Who cares what happened on this trip? Figure yeah. it out. Yeah, I mean, you beat some good teams earlier in the season, some really good teams. So I don't think any name value, and I know Jacksonville is a good team, but by definition, if this was a betting show, we would consider this a bounce-back spot for the Browns 100%, going home to play Jacksonville, Jacksonville coming off of a Monday night game. Just would. Yeah, and like I want to reiterate, you have the Texans. If you beat the Texans, you own the tiebreaker. You own the tiebreaker over the Colts. You own the tiebreaker over the Texans. You have those head-to-head wins. Like right. then the other three games are the Bears, the Jets, and the Bengals. So if you can just beat those three teams and then hold it down, like get a Texans win, like it's all there. It's yeah. it's all there. Is what yeah. I want so, to reiterate. So get playoff picture, see what happens. Playoff picture wise, eleven wins gets you in. There's no oh, doubt about no that doubt. from from where they are. Ten, it gets tricky because it depends on the tiebreakers. There's going to be other teams with 10 wins. I think that's pretty clear at this point. The Colts have a very easy schedule running in. Um, the, the Texans have a fairly easy schedule running in. The Steelers, their road gets a little tougher. Kenny Pickett now is expected to week, miss a few weeks. So Mitch Trubisky starting against uh, the Patriots on uh, Thursday night. That'll be an, an all-timer. I think obviously figure out what your plans are now to watch every second of that game on Thursday night because you won't want to miss – Bailey Zappi against Mitch Trubisky. Um, it might finish zero to zero, but my my point here about the the playoffs, 
10 and seven, you, you probably don't control your own destiny because I, I think you're Jake, you're right. They have the tiebreaker over the Colts. If there's a three-way tie, the head to head tiebreakers are eliminated. So now you're talking about conference record, other tiebreakers. So you can still lose out to a Colts team if it's a three-way tie. So it becomes a concern if you're 10 and seven. So I agree with you between the Jaguars and the Texans, they have to find a way to win one of those games. And I'll just say it's, it's always tough in the NFL to count a victory before it happens. Right. So bears, jets, Bengals sounds pretty easy. Uh, You just, I I think what I'm, what I worry about is you don't want to see this team against Chicago on a three game losing streak, knowing that that's an absolute honest to God must win because that, that is a difficult place for any team to play, even if they're at home. So, yeah, big week this week. We will uh, recap, uh, you know, the loss in Los Angeles tomorrow night. Jake will have a chalk talk where we'll d- dig into all of the ups and downs of this one. I think some good stuff to see there with the, the past game, some bad stuff to see there on the defensive side. But I'm sure Jake will break it all down thoroughly. Uh, Tuesday night, uh, Mike Keefe will have a preview of the upcoming opponent, the Jacksonville Jaguars, and then Garage Beers at 9 o'clock. Wednesday night, OBR Weekly will be here for your midweek uh question and answer session and then uh brad ward there will be back on uh, thursday night all eyes on cleveland to uh really send us into the weekend so uh, another uh strong week by the obr we will have all sorts of coverage on the website as well about what went wrong in los angeles and uh, what's to come uh, over the week ahead so stay tuned both uh streaming wise and on the website uh Thank you all for joining us tonight. Uh, we always have a pleasure talking with you all, even after a loss like this. Uh, thank you to Ian McBride behind the scenes. Thank you to Brad Ward and Jake Burns for joining me. My name is Andrew Spade. Thank you for joining us. We'll see you next week. Go Browns. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.